The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. In Exodus chapter 16, for you that care, we got two more weeks, okay? So two more lessons about the life of Moses. And this morning, I'll just tell you uh, right up front, if you keep notes and uh, you uh, have been doing that for some time, you, you, you can find this, pa- this scripture in your notes. But this is the next scripture, that, uh, the next passage in our study of Moses that I thought would be uh, appropriate to go ahead and revisit this topic. And I would think probably you won't remember everything that we talked about. And this is not uh, really a, a sermon for mothers, about mothers at all. It's just more in our uh, series as we talk about the life of Moses. We're in Exodus chapter 16. Next week, we're going to skip over a few chapters, and we're going to kind of bring this uh, study closer to a close. And in the following week, we're going to look as uh, Moses passes the torch on to someone else. But uh, today, we're going to talk about something that uh, maybe you would say, well... Uh, you talked about this. Maybe this is for me today, okay? Sometimes uh, as I study God's Word and I begin to put it together, more times than not, it's something that I need to hear. And, and we're going to talk about complaining today. And, uh, you know, there's nothing that I would say that we need this as a body of believers, is what I'm saying, inside the church. I'm not trying to target some group, so don't, don't think, okay, I wonder what's going on. I'm talking to us just in general this morning to each of us. And uh, as we look at the the children of Israel, a month has passed now since they uh, left Egypt. And during this month, they're they're marching on and they're marching to what the Bible calls is the wilderness of sin. And, And if you remember, we talked last week or week before last about water. Water became an issue. And as water became an issue, they began to grumble and, uh, to God and to Moses, but mostly to Moses, and uh, God provided water. He provided that oasis there in the desert that had the palm trees and uh, had the seven wells we talked about last week. And now they're on the move again, and the problem is they've run out of food, or they feel like they've run out of food, and... Uh, they begin to complain and they begin to say, we missed the good old days back in Egypt. And at the good old days, we had all we wanted to eat. We had all of these benefits and all of these great things. And they're complaining about that. And, and they've hardly gotten started. They've been on the road only a few days. And all of a sudden, uh, because they've missed a meal or two, the, the, the gnawing at their stomachs begins uh, their gnawing on their leader, and, and they decide that uh, they're, they're going to grumble and they're going to complain. And this morning, out of God's Word, I want us to look at five things in this passage that we can learn about complaining. I think it's important because I think it's real easy for us to be a complainer. I mean, I really do. I think, uh, I think probably that's more popular than being an exhorter or being someone that lifts others up. I think it's just easy and and kind of nearly our nature to complain about things. But the thing is, if if we are a complaining person or complainers, I'll just kind of put it in that category, complainers are always going to find something to complain about. I mean, they're always going to find something. If, If you remember, like last week, they're complaining about water. 
They've already forgotten how God opened the Red Sea and how they crossed on dry land and all of those things. They begin grumbling. They begin complaining. Then all of a sudden, God has a, an oasis for them. He has a place of water. He has a place of rest. Well, they've forgotten about that, how God had provided. And at ch- chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, And they journeyed from Elam, all the congregation of the children of Israel, and they came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt, the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Who complained? The whole congregation, the whole group of folks there. And if you remember, there were, there were millions there. They begin to complain. They're complaining to, about Moses, against Moses, against Aaron in the wilderness. Verse 3, And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we would have died at the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Why couldn't we have just stayed in Egypt and died? We sat by the pots of meat, and we ate bread until we were full. But Moses, you and Aaron, has brought us out into this land of wilderness to kill us, the whole assembly, with hunger. That was their complaint. That was, they found something. They, They cried out to the Lord, if you remember back in Egypt, it, the Bible says the Lord heard the cries of the children of Israel. They're crying out to the Lord, Lord, deliver us. Get us out of the, the bondage of Egypt. Get us away from this slavery. And the Bible says God heard their cry. He delivered them. He sent Moses, and Moses delivered them and brought them up out of this land. And now all of a sudden, just a month later, they're saying, oh, that we could go back to Egypt. Oh, that we could just... Go back and, and we could have what we had when we were in Egypt. But Moses, you've led us out here just to die, the whole assembly. I guess you're just, your plan was to bring us out here that we may die. They hadn't learned anything from their past experiences with God. Now listen, folks, I think that's a key. We need, to, we need to think about our past experiences with God. When it comes to the point of if we're going to be a complaining, uh, a complaining group, what about your past experiences with God? Look back and remember those things. They, they gave in to self-pity. They gave in to grumbling. They gave in to complaining. They, they said, this is, this is where we're headed. And, and I think too often that's kind of where we head when we have a difficult situation, when something arises in our life and, and all of a sudden things aren't the way we think they ought to be. So many times our first response is what? We just start grumbling. We start complaining. We start griping. And, and we may not be griping against God, but we begin to gripe about some group or some people, and, and honestly, some people have kind of turned grumbling into an art form. I mean, they, they kind of, they've got such a habit of it, and maybe they take off on Sundays, but man, as soon as they get out of there, they're, they're, back, they're back grumbling against. So let me give you some examples. You say, well, that's not me. It may be me. Do you grumble when you're in slow traffic? Don't people aggravate you that drive in the fast lane? And, and, and they, don't need, they need to be going 90 in the fast lane, right? <laughs> 95. <laughs> we have a highway patrol here this morning. <clears throat> we grumble about that, don't we? Does this, does this just aggravate you? You're in traffic and someone merges going 10 miles an hour too slow. Don't, don't we grumble about that? What do I say? <laughs> I've never said you're a blooming idiot, but... I say it, I say, that's, my, that's, my, that's my term. Do we ever, we ever grumble if the restaurant don't bring our food quick enough? You ever do that? 
we've been sitting here five minutes and my food isn't here yet. And don't we do that? That's kind of how we've turned it into an art form. I mean, whatever happens that we think shouldn't happen the way it happened, we just, we just kind of automatically turn into grumble. We turn it into a gripe. We turn it into a complaint. Now, as we begin to look at these, I want, I want, to notice, I want you to notice some things about, about grumbling, about the characteristics of grumbling. The first thing about grumbling is, grumbling is a gratitude problem. Grumbling is really, it's a gratitude problem. Grumbling comes from a response or a praying to some problem in our life, whether it's great, whether it's small, but, but some kind of problem we have. We grumble because we think we are to experience pleasure rather than pain. We think we are to, we are to have prosperity rather than adversity. So whatever comes in our way... We begin to have a problem, whether it's slow traffic in the fast lane, whether it's someone merging, whether it's somebody that, uh, boy, aggravates me, go to McDonald's. If you're ordering more than a couple of burgers, go inside. Don't order a meal for your whole office and then 14 people's in the car behind you and they're handing 12 sacks out the window. Go inside. I mean, I'm grumbling about that because, hey, I'm on the move. I need to go. So all of a sudden that turns into some kind of uh, of grumbling. The problem with that, grumbling is a gratitude problem. I, I found this. I ran across it. My car broke down. It cost me $400 to get it fixed. $400 that I didn't have. Why me, Lord? After all, I've been better than most. Why are you treating me this way? Why are you punishing me this way? Then my TV went on the blink. So did the dishwasher and the clothes dryer and the lawnmower and even my iron. Why me, Lord? Besides that, why at my age should I still be having financial problems? Why am I not set financially like others I know? Why have you denied me opportunities for fame and fortune that you've given others? Why me, Lord? When I find myself starting to think like this, it sometimes helps me to ask the same question about other aspects in my life. Lord, what have I done that it's so grand that you should give me a blessings of a car? What have I done that it's so grand that you should give me a TV set, a clothes dryer, a lawnmower, and an iron? Why did you give me all these things anyway? Why me, Lord? Lord, why did you permit me to be born in America with all of its plenty? I could have been born in poverty in Bangladesh instead of rich America. Why me, Lord? Lord, why did you give me the opportunity to have a job when so many who are just as deserving am I are without work? Why me, Lord? Lord, why did you give me good health when others have died at my age of heart attacks or crippled by accidents or diseases? Why should I escape ill health when other religious people do not? Why me, Lord? Lord, why have you spared me from the sorrows that strike so many other families, other wonderful people that have lost loved ones and close relatives, but I haven't? Why me, Lord? When I think of all the ways the Lord has blessed me, though I don't deserve it, I wonder how I could possibly complain about the relatively insignificant things that grow wrong in my life from time to time. If I could only learn to count my blessings. Ted Kyle and John Todd, they wrote a book called A Treasure of Biblical Illustrations. And, and in that book, they published, Why Me, Lord? And I think for us, when we begin to think about grumbling, grumbling is really 
a gratitude problem. And when that, when that raises its head in you, turn back and say, Why me, Lord? Why have you blessed me in so many ways? Second, grumbling is a perception problem. You know, we, we said we, get, we grumble because why? Because we deserve pleasure rather than pain. We, we deserve fulfillment. We, we don't deserve any problems. And, and the problem with that is there's a perception problem. And the perception problem ends up giving us a faulty thought of what we're grumbling about. You know, it's pretty funny. Uh, I'm just telling all off on myself today. But uh, downtown in Cooper, right there on that uh, northwest corner, uh, I was coming in front of Hensley's Hardware a, a year or two ago, and uh, there's a stop sign there. And if you're coming from 24 headed south, there's not a stop sign there. If somebody pulls out in front of me there, it just burns me up. Well, I'm coming in front of Hensley's, I'm headed to the bank drive through and I pulled right out in front of a car. You know who it was? My dad. <laughs> he don't see well. It's a wonder that I didn't go wham, but he stopped and I looked up in the middle of the intersection and looked and he went, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said, I vote you. I just, you know, I was making sure you was watching. You know what? It's a perception problem. Maybe you're the one that's caused somebody behind you all of a sudden to say, that guy's a blooming idiot. What's he doing, you know? Maybe my dad said, I raised a blooming idiot. He just run a stop sign right in front of me. But the perception problem is this. For the children of Israel, they exaggerated the memory of their past. They began to think about those good old days when they were back in Egypt. See, that, that, that complaining, they, they began to exaggerate. That, that perception they had was a problem. They said, oh, we, we had all we wanted to eat. We had all kinds of variety of meats and foods and vegetables and, and breads, and we could sit around our pots and we could eat till we were filled up. Remember, they were slaves. Remember, they were having to work double duty to make the bricks. Remember, they were having to gather their own straw. When would they have had time to do that? See, see when we begin to grumble, our perception changes. And, and the perception of imminent danger of starvation was greatly exaggerated by these folks that, that came and said, we're just going to go out here and we're just going to starve to death. Now, here's the next thing. This is where it becomes dangerous. Grumbling is a contagious problem. You ever notice that? What did the Scripture say here? The whole assembly of Israel began to complain. You know how that started? It probably started as they were traveling, one or two folks saying, you know what? What are we going to eat? Have you looked around? We're out in the desert. And someone else said, well, you know, you're right. Hey, what are we going to eat? Well, I don't know. Hey, what are we going to eat? Hey, what are we going to eat? Where are we going to find food? What are we going to eat? All of a sudden, the whole assembly's in an uproar. And all of them are going to Moses saying, Moses, what are we going to eat? See, when we begin to complain, folks, we need to realize that those around us, they can just fall right into it. They can just join in our complaining, and that's an issue. When it comes to complaining, we have already failed the test. Now, that's not just my ideal. If you were here last week, and even if you weren't, as the children of Israel were without water, and the Lord provided them water, what did He say? I have tested you. See, He was, he was testing the children of Israel. 
with water, with the lack of water. And, and he said to them, I've tested you and you fail the test, but they turned back to joy when they found those springs of water. Last week we talked about joy, we talked about grumbling, we talked about back to joy. See, they, they, were, they were joyful when God delivered them, they were singing, then God tested them, they became grumblers, they became complainers. God said, wait a minute, this was a test. They turned back to God and they returned to their joy. Folks, when we begin to complain, we need to think about what's happening to us. Maybe God's testing us some way. Maybe He's, maybe he's put that car in front of you just to test you, to see where are you really. You know, out of the abundance of the heart flows words out of our mouth. What, what do we say? How has how, He testing us? Verse 4 says, The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather certain quota every day. Why? That I may test them whether they will walk in my way or not. See, he had just told them, just told Moses a few verses before, I'm going to provide water. Why? That I may test them. For the people of Israel, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to rain bread down from heaven, and it's going to be a test for you. The people shall go out, they shall gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. What an interesting announcement. I'm going to meet the need for your hunger. I'm going to, I'm going to meet your needs, but it's going to bring another test. As I meet your need, I'm going to test you with something. Charles Wendall, he, he said this, Have you found that to be true? I have. We find ourselves in the midst of some predicament that we cannot escape. So God says, I'll provide a way out. I'll show you the way. We accept his answer with new direction, which introduces us to a whole new set of tests and trials of different kinds. So while we are relieved of one wilderness problem, we gain another. See, isn't that kind of how God does? Okay, he hears our cry. He says, okay, I'm going to deliver you. We say, oh, thank you, God, for your deliverance. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for providing for me. God, thank you for giving me a car and a washer and a dryer and all of those things are working. Thank you for all that. And then he says, okay, he's praising, he's worship, he's on board, she's right where I want her to be. I'm going to give her a little test here just to make sure. And we just turn the other direction just in the blink of an eye. See, when, we're, when we have an opportunity to complain, think about that. According to verse 4, the, the, the gift was intended as a test. Behold, I'll rain bread for heaven, from heaven for you, and the people should go out, gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they'll walk in my ways or not. Gathering manna was this. It was a test of obedience. It was just a test. It was a test. Will I, will I go out and will I be obedient to the Lord? Here's the third thing. Complainers are always looking... For someone to blame. Have you found that to be true? Aren't complainers always looking to point the finger? I mean, I mean, oh, that's what I said a while ago. Maybe they're pointing the finger at you. But that, as complainers, we do that. We look for someone to point the finger to. And at that evening, you shall know, this is verses 6 through 8. They, they accused Moses of, of leading into the wilderness to kill them. They were, front, uh, they were venting frustrations on him. But in reality, they were really complaining against the Lord God. Listen to what it says, 6 through 8. Moses tells the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. 
And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for He hears your complaints against the Lord. Who are they complaining against? Moses and Aaron. Y'all remember we just read it. Why'd you leave us out here, Moses? You're just going to let us all die? Moses says, God has heard your cries and your complaints against the Lord. But what are we that you're complaining against us? Moses says, who am I? Why why are you complaining against me? I'm just following what God wanted me to do. And Moses said, this shall be between the Lord gives you meat in the evening and in the morning bread for the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you made against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but your complaints are against the Lord. And Moses declares to them, the Lord hears your complaints which you have made against him. I didn't count those. I wish I had. But just in those few verses there, 6 through 8, how many times did Moses say, hey, Lord, hey, hey, folks, you're complaining against the Lord? Hey, when we, when we begin to complain, we're complaining against the Lord. The problem comes in our lives, I think, do we believe that God is in every aspect of our life? Maybe He puts you behind a slow car because two seconds down the road you'd have been in a vehicle accident. You ever think about I think about that. Have you ever seen a vehicle accident and, and you think, man, if, if this hadn't happened this morning, if a cow hadn't been out in the road this morning, went away and I had to stop for a few seconds, I would have been right in the middle of that. But a lot of times we don't think about that. We just, we just begin to complain. And, and even though we're complaining against that driver or we're complaining against that bill or we're complaining against that serviceman, the Bible says, really, we're complaining against the Lord. Because it was the Lord who had put the test upon the children of Israel. So as we begin to complain, we need to really think about who we're complaining against. I have two more things this morning. The fourth is this. Complainers are never satisfied with what they're given. Just listen to this. Verse 13. So it was that quail came up in the evening. Doesn't that sound good? If, you're a, if you like the outdoors, don't that sound great to have some good quail every night to eat? <laughs> I mean, you could smoke those things, you know, or you could fry them however you wanted to eat them every evening. Are you listening? Say, I am. Well, a few of you. That's pretty good. So in that night, quail came up in the evening and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there was on the surface of the wilderness a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is this? For they didn't know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. Now in Psalm 78, it's called angel food. That's what it, that's what it mentions to it in Psalm 78. Every morning, this heavenly food fell from heaven, fell on the ground. It says it was white like coliander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Numbers 11, 5 through 6, listen to what it says. We remember the fish that we ate freely in Egypt. Now, we're talking about never satisfied. God is providing bread from heaven. He's providing quail that comes into the soul. Bread and meat He's providing. Remember, we remember the fish where we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. What that means is we have lost our appetite. Our whole being, we're, our whole being is dried up. And there's nothing at all except manna before our eyes. You can almost hear the yuck in their voice. I mean, just 
we're just sick of this. We're, we're just sick of what God has provided us. How did we get there? They cried out to God, God, you're letting us starve to death. We, we can't even have anything to eat. And God said, okay, I'm going to give you bread and I'm going to give you meat and you're going to be able to eat till you're full. And just as quick as that happens, they begin to complain and say, boy, if we were back in Egypt, we had, we had all these fruits, all these vegetables, we had fish, we had all of these things. But they chose to grumble. Why did they do that? Well, they wanted steak, but God provided bologna. That's about the way it amounts to it. I mean, they wanted, they wanted more. They wanted more. They, they weren't satisfied. I wonder sometimes if they had passed the test, reckon God had provided something different? Just my thought. Here's the last thing. Complainers are never satisfied with how much they're given. Now, they weren't satisfied with what they were given. And then we find the very next verse, they're not satisfied with how much they're given. In verse 16, the children of Israel were given specific instructions how to gather manna. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need. One omer for each person according to the number of persons. Let every man take it for those that are in his tent. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. And Moses said, Let no one leave any of it until morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stunk. <laughs> Y'all want to talk about maggots this morning? <laughs> That's what it was. Y'all ever smelt something? That just I brought some corn home from the deer lease and left it in the back of my Bronco. It rained on it. Then it rained on it again. Then it rained on it again. And after about three months, was you in on cleaning that out? Jacob and John, and probably myself, uh, went down to the farm and pulled up on a, a little incline. Now, all that corn on the top looked good. But about that far below the surface... There were some maggots as big as your little finger. I mean, there are some of them that grizzly bears, whatever, could have bit their heads off and ate them things, you know, for protein. They were big maggots. And that stuff stunk horribly. I mean, it stunk. We cleaned it out. We swept it out. We washed it out. And it stunk for two years after that. I mean, it, it just permeated the back of that Bronco. This was an open-back Bronco, a truck-type Bronco. That's exactly what happened. The Lord said, I want you to gather exactly what you need. I want you to gather enough for your whole family, anybody in your tent. I want you to gather all they can eat. But I don't want you hoarding it. But it says here, some people didn't heed Moses' advice. They didn't heed God's word. And they began to hoard away. And by morning, it had bread worms and stank. And Moses became angry with them. You know what? They, God, God gave them what they needed. God gave them what they asked for. God gave them all they had required, but they still couldn't be satisfied. So their problem wasn't just grumbling. It was greed. And folks, when we come to that, I love this. I, I found this, a conservative estimate. I have read this to you all a couple of different times, but it amazes me. The total number of Israelites would be about 2 million for the Bible says they had 600,000 men able to go to war. That's over number, numbers 45, 1, 45, and 46. An omer 
was to be gathered for each of these two million souls, and Omer is about six pints. Now, that would be 12 million pints or 9,000 pounds gathered every day, which was 4,500 tons. So it would take 10 trains with 30 cars, each carrying 15 tons to meet those needs every day for the Israelites. Isn't that amazing? But God provided that. I mean, he provided everything they needed. In verse 35, And the children of Israel ate manna for 40 years until they came to an inhabited land, and they ate manna until they came to the border in the land of Canaan. You know, I was thinking this morning, uh, for some reason, you remember when they got to the land of Canaan, they sent 12 spies into the land to take the land, and... When the spies came back, uh, ten of them said, we can't do it. That there's men, uh, they're, they're huge, and we would be like grasshoppers going up against them. Two of them came back and said, hey, God's give us that land, and, and we're going to inherit it. You know, that was, that was Caleb and Joshua. You remember what their report was? It was a land flowing with milk and honey and grapes. Huge clusters of grapes. <laughs> that makes more sense now, doesn't it? They came back and said, you're not going to believe what we can eat over there. There's, there's a land, it's, it's flowing with food, it's flowing with vegetables, it's, it's flowing with all of these things. What a report they had. After 40 years of eating bread, manna from heaven, and eating quail, the report was this, God has something in store for us that you're just not going to be able to imagine. And God provided for them. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning. It's not my intention just to look deeply into that whole story about the manna, but just a couple of implications this morning as we close. Number one, this lesson teaches us to look to the Lord for our supply. Uh, we're told that the, the supply that Israel needed came from heaven. That's an implication today. We, we can go to the Lord for our daily needs. You know, bread, water, those are things we need to survive. God provided for His children their basic needs. Sometimes I think we feel like we, we don't need to go to God for our basic needs. We can take care of those. We'll go to God for the big needs. He wants to be involved in our basic needs. That teaches us to look daily to the Lord. We can't live on yesterday's blessings. Daily, we need to spend some time with the Lord. Daily, we need to see where the Lord's leading us. Daily, we need to praise the Lord for His blessings. That means we need, to, we need to spend some time daily just communing with the Father. Maybe a little Bible study. Maybe, I think there's a, there's a Bible study called Our Daily Bread. Open windows. There's so many studies that, that just let us spend some time daily with our Lord being fed. He claims to be the, the water of life. He claims to be the bread of life. And we need to meet with him daily that we would be fed spiritually. It teaches us to feed on Christ because he is the secret of our strength. He's the secret of our success. Father, I pray this morning as we look at these children of Israel and we realize, Father, that uh, you hear our cries. 
Father, I pray that we would know that nearly always our grumbling is against you. Father, so many times you, you give us blessings and you open doors and new opportunities. And Lord, I know in my life I look so past those blessings so many times and just kind of count them as, as things I deserve and things I work for. And, and, and I look over those blessings to look at my wants and desires and things I don't have and, and just turn into complaining, Lord. I, I pray that when I move my life into that area that you would reveal to me uh, the blessings and I would be reminded of Moses and the children of Israel. I pray too, Lord, when we get in a crowd of folks and when all that complaining is happening, Lord, I pray that we, we remember how contagious that becomes and, Lord, that we would think of our blessings and we would represent you. Father, I pray that we'd learn to come to you daily for our nourishment spiritually, uh, for our feeling spiritually, that we might succeed in you. Lord, I pray this morning as we just are in this place, I pray uh, that we wouldn't simply be hearers of your word and so deceive ourselves, but we would be doers, we'd be followers of your word. Lord, I thank you for each one that's here this morning. I I pray that we would know that we've been in your presence. I pray that you'd take a bunch of foolish words that a, a man had to say this morning, but you would ordain them with your spirit. That which is helpful, that which is true, would be planted within our hearts that it might grow. Those things that are apart from you that wouldn't be your will, I pray that you'd cast them from our minds and we'd remember them no more. Lord, that all we hear today would be from you and be of you. Lord, I thank you for our mothers. I pray, Lord, that you'd protect those that will be traveling around today to visit. I pray for travel mercies. Lord, I pray that we would just spend some time today thanking you also again for our mothers and then just being in the presence of those loved ones that we have as we have opportunities today. Lord, go with us now, and I pray that you'd bless all that's done in the name of Jesus.